0: Jason Havey. Hey! The CEO of Onnit. Wow. That is crazy
1: (laughs) to hear you say that.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: And no turning back now, because now
0: it's public. (laughs) Now it's it's (laughs) out there. The world knows. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Thank you
1: so much. It is honestly the uh, most humbling, greatest honor I could... Certainly that I've ever had in my life and that I could imagine having.
0: You know, I, I can't think of an individual that really deserves it more from the place of heart than you do, you know, and that's one of the reasons why this decision has been really easy for me is because the thing that I care most about with this company is the heart of it Mm -hmm. is what we stand for. And like what we represent to not only everybody internally, but to the world at large. And, you know, that's what made this choice really easy is I chose from my heart and we've always had that connection from, the same outlook on how we want to serve the world, how we want to serve the people within this company and how we want to serve each other. And that's that's that kind of synchronicity and compatibility that, that makes this a very kind of seamless transition, even though it is quite a significant one it's looking huge. from the outside in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, and I think that's the reason that people are drawn to Onnit in general. It certainly was the reason I was drawn to you in general was – I lived my life by authenticity, transparency, reciprocity. And I heard you always talking about those exact same things. And now, now they're really uh, three of the six core values of this company. And so uh, as I thought about what what stays the same and what changes going forward, I, I get even a little emotional just talking about it. But um, the company will now for sure continue to run with those core values, not just as, uh, core values that you put down on paper and you try to hold to them, but like as this like deep inner truth, Mm. not something that, you know, is true, but something, you know, as truth. And that's so interwoven in the DNA of the company. Uh, and I, I couldn't be more honored to champion that even, even before, but certainly
0: going forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that's that's one of the, the beautiful ways that this all came together um, is that you actually came to on it from like a legitimate calling and a yeah. calling from an ayahuasca journey. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing previously. I mean, you had your dream job. I did. And then you go to ayahuasca and you're like, shit, yeah. <laughs> I got another
1: job that I need to do. It was crazy transition. Um, and we... We did a podcast like three and a half, four years ago. And uh, still today, people are listening to it. I get people hitting me up on Instagram because of that story. Uh, because it, it's funny how many people are running a parallel path from some calling that they experienced in some form of a of a meditative or medicine journey. But I, I was working as the general manager of the Hilton in Madison, Wisconsin. It was running the nicest hotel in your hometown every hotel your <laughs> dream right like yeah. like i'm i'm king of the castle of the nicest <laughs> hotel in town of the nicest castle in town to a certain degree it was yeah I, the the capitol uh, building of wisconsin was out my Window. I mean, it really was a beautiful thing, and I had
0: worked 16 years to get there. Yeah, you were shaking Obama's hand when he came, when he I, came to stay. I at, did, at yeah, Madison, Wisconsin. And know?
1: and so you you think about it in that context is just months before this, uh, the president had never stayed overnight in Madison ever, the sitting president. And so here I am in my hotel getting a picture with Obama, <laughs> and I I'm like I just I nailed it, but mm-hmm. then. Uh, I don't think I told this part of the story before, but just after that, I went to my hotel mentor's retirement party in Milwaukee. And uh, there was a lot of people that had a lot of love for him. There was 40, 50 people that really knew him for a long time over the years. And we were at the retirement party. Everybody had drinks. We told some funny stories. He literally got a gold watch. And, and that was it. Shit, does that mean I have to give you a gold watch? Probably, <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> we. Uh, but I, I was driving home. It's about an hour drive home from Milwaukee, and I started thinking... Wait, no, you have to give me a gold watch. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. All right. I got it confused. We're editing that part out of the story. <laughs> Cut it. Um, but, uh, but while I was driving home, I was thinking about... He did this for fifty years, and uh, or forty-five years, and at the end of the day, everybody got checked in and everybody got checked out. But who cares? Like, it, yeah. like he made a difference to those people in the room, and that was meaningful. And I could tell how deeply that affected him. But the job itself didn't matter all that much. Right. And so I had this epiphany that oh, I I'm I might be leading myself down the wrong road while it's meaningful internally. It wasn't all that meaningful externally. And so I went on this inward journey and uh, started changing all my inputs, uh, stopped watching sports, started listening to podcasts, stopped drinking. I, I started making all these changes. I mean, you still watch a few Packers
0: games. Yeah. I mean, let's, I, let's, well, let's, I, let's be serious. I, but I, 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 but I think it's like, speaking of like a football analogy, like being a hotelier, like being a GM, you're only really noticed if you fuck up. It's like being the kicker on a on a football team, right? Yeah. Like if you if you kick the field goal and it goes in, everybody's like, "Yeah, good job. You did your job," you know. Yeah, and which is like if everything's smooth no one really no one really notices and that's actually the goal <laughs> that's the goal yeah, right but to if, but if the you background. fuck something up then everybody's like what's wrong with you you got yeah. problems you know and in the hotel
1: there's always somebody happy sad crazy mad and hurt right <laughs> like it's just it's always just chaotic like that mm-hmm. and uh, and so i started looking for different inputs different things to get in touch with what who am i even just like foundationally and eventually stumbled on to ayahuasca. And so that's when uh, the story I told previously, I went to Blue Morpho down in Peru. And during, I think it was my f- third and fourth ceremony, I had very clear visions of things. And one of those, it was, there were really five things, and some of them easier than others. One was to sign up for the uh, stem cell donor database on uh, delete blood cancer. One was to jump out of a plane. One was to do stand-up comedy. But one was I had a very clear vision of me introducing you to Hamilton Souther, who was the shaman in the room that night. And Mm. it didn't make any sense because I didn't know you. I had listened to your podcast when I was researching ayahuasca. I had watched the videos. And so I knew you just in that way. And it was so clear to me, I, I saw I saw both your hands. I was like grabbing your wrists, pulling them together, shake hands, and so when I got home, I feverishly started emailing what anything that could possibly be your email. It turns out I was way off, but uh, <laughs> but you know it was every every uh, uh, combination of your name trying to reach out to you. In the process of doing that and find your email, I started following you on social, yep. and that led to uh, you making a post that. Uh, prompted me to reach out to you directly at that point. You were still handling your own Facebook uh, uh, daily, and we connected, and the rest is history. The, The crazy thing about it is, about the time we did that last podcast, Hamilton was here, introduced Mm -hmm. you guys I saw basically the vision that I had seen and it was the last one of those five things to come true and all of them came true I don't know how to explain that anybody that knows me knows I'm not super I think you
0: told four because the fourth one was so it was be the donor and you did that Yep, jump out of a plane you did that stand-up comedy you did that introduced me in Hamilton, which you did. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. And anybody who's listened to the podcast with Hamilton, I actually re-released it because it was so popular, but that really transformed my outlook on so many aspects of my own life. And just incredibly grateful for that experience. But then what was the fifth? Well, the fifth one was uh, to remove some negative
1: connections in my life that were there. I was in a relationship that wasn't exactly Mm -hmm. where I where it was being accretive to my life mm-hmm. at that time, but also hanging on to alcohol, hanging on to uh, some of those other things that that uh, uh, were actually at the time. And I remember you actually saying this too during one of the podcasts. You talked, uh, one of the early ones with Rogan, you talked about how a medicine can become a poison. Mm. And it was very eye-opening to me that at the time, like I had this, this urge for something more meaningful in my life. And I was actually using alcohol as a coping mechanism. And while it worked in the short term, it definitely became a poison. So it was the, that fifth one was releasing that from my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, you know, a lot of us get clear directives when we're in, in these medicine spaces and things come through and we have a knowing like, this is what I must do. Yeah. Um, but to actually follow through on that is a different thing. You know, and that's the nature of what I've come to know about you is that if when you know something, you go relentlessly until you get that thing done, you know, and I think that's why it's also worked in such a such a beautiful way as you've kind of come through this process and we've worked together it on how, how long now? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Yeah. And as we've worked together for five and a half years, I've seen that. I've seen that dogged determination to follow through, close any loops that need to be closed, follow through with, ever, with whatever needs to be followed through with. So that's just that other aspect of confidence. But that doesn't come... Just because all of a sudden, oh, now I'm here at on it. Now I got to do that. That comes because it's part of your character. It's something that you've built and forged, like a sword that you've folded and hammered and and practice that ability to follow your knowing and follow those things that you know and follow through until there's no nothing left, no stone left unturned, nothing left to do. And I also know that that's another reason why on it's going to be in such good hands.
1: One of the things that you talk about a lot, and another reason that I was drawn. Uh, to you initially is I always had this belief that you didn't really need to be the best at anything. You didn't really need to be the smartest, fastest, strongest. None of that really mattered. What really mattered was two simple things. Uh, showing up and starting just right there and then having the resiliency to just keep going to, despite how much resistance is in front of you. You taught, you were talking at the time back then, you were talking a lot about Stephen Pressfield's book, The a uh, war, of, war art. of art and the resistance that came along with that. And that's one thing that I really admired is uh, just constantly pushing through that resistance because even time is funny, right? But if you keep pushing through that resistance, you almost always get to a better place than you
0: started. I mean, I think you can remove that word almost.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
0: I said, I think you can, you can remove the word almost like the way through resistance is through resistance like you can't dance around it you can't avoid it when you feel the call and you hear the call and you're at the threshold and you're afraid of crossing the threshold the way to actually get over your fear of crossing the threshold is to take the fucking step salto mortale take the leap You know, like that's the moment where you have to move forward or the anxiety is just going to build and your repression, your coping mechanisms, like you say, you're going to have to bludgeon yourself with as much alcohol and distraction and whatever else you need to do to keep you from hearing that calling that's just drawing you forward into the place that you really know your highest parts of you your greatest faculties your highest self your soul if you want to use that language obviously that vocabulary is charged but you're pulled you're pulled by something that's like the indelible unborn undying part of yourself that's just pulling you towards something and the more you resist it we do have free will we can resist as long as we want but the more you resist the more difficult it's going to be on yourself and the more difficulty it you're going to draw into your life.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost, the resistance is really the cardinal north to know that you're going in the right direction. But it's so easy to go the other (laughs) direction. It is. So easy. And I guess that's the point. And, And actually, that's one of the reasons that I think we've been successful here. I think it's the reason that I've personally been successful because certainly we've gone through some stuff and it's it's hard and I, I I remember several times where I was just like wow this is uh, this is such a rough point that if I wasn't so sure that we were headed in the right direction <laughs> I'd, I'd you know I'd tap out yeah. but I was always so sure that this company was meant to do special things and I, I really mean that
0: So when I think about my diet from a metabolic standpoint I really see the benefits of eating meat and I see even the benefits of trying periods where I'm on a carnivore diet or trying periods where I'm on a ketogenic diet that has a little bit less protein but higher fats and higher protein and I see massive benefit from that. But one of the other things is the ethical standpoint of your dietary choices and as I really meditate with that more and more I find myself being called to a humanitarian lifestyle. Now, I thought I came up with that word myself, but it's actually been out for a long time. And basically what that means is that you're only eating meat and animal products from animals that have lived a life like these animals should. And that's something that's really important to me, and I try my very best to live that. And I'm not at 100% right now, but I really wanna be. And one of the best ways to do this is to get help, from something like Butcher Box. Butcher ButcherBox sources all of their meat in the best way. It's grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range chicken, heritage-breed pork, wild-caught, Alaskan sockeye salmon. I mean, everything that they have comes from animals that have lived the life that these animals are supposed to live. And that's really important. So I encourage you guys to check it out. You know, you're going to get this meat delivered to you every month. When I get it in, it's awesome because I don't have to think about it. Now, of course, I'm in Austin so I have access to Whole Foods and I can go get this but I don't like going to the grocery store. I'd much rather have meat available and delivered to me like ButcherBox does so that I just know that my freezer is stocked and I know that I can eat the dietary choices that I want both from a metabolic standpoint and from an ethical standpoint and ButcherBox crushes it with that. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to butcherbox.com slash Aubrey or enter the promo code Aubrey at checkout and you're going to get two pounds of grass-fed beef free in every box for the life of your subscription and $20 off your first box. So it's a great deal. Again, butcherbox.com slash Aubrey or enter the promo code Aubrey. I think in all these ways, like we've of course been tested, you know, I mean, when I, I was running a marketing company. I was helping other companies, but I'd never founded a company and led an organization to this degree. Mm -hmm. So there was a massive learning curve, you know, and and it was really the guiding principles were the the only guardrails that we had and everything else was kind of like, all right, we're going to fucking figure this out, you know, and the guardrails were some of the very same things you mentioned, like creating the best products we could create, living in authenticity and reciprocity and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to be of service you know and that's the really the only way to run this because otherwise you're running this house of cards you're running this shell game where you're constantly moving things around hoping people don't you know hoping people don't find out that you're a magician or an illusionist and and you know get on to your tricks and the stress of that alone would have buried me, you know, like I'm, I'm I'm prone to anxiety myself, you know what I mean? The stress of living in a, in a way where I was creating this illusory shell game and trying to make money off that, I would have, it would have buried me. It wasn't even an option. So like I had to live or, or die by the principles. And, you know, fortunately I think the universe supports that kind of action. And it's not that there aren't examples of other companies being successful Having not followed those principles, but the fall is imminent, you know, and it's just a matter of time, it seems, before those things get exposed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think I wasn't with you when the company started, but I had to think there was a lot of that initially where we're still... It's 2010, 11, and you're about to make a stack nootropic that, and nobody knew that word. Nobody really understood brain health in general. We're just coming off an era of spam emails about, uh, grow your penis two inches with this, (laughs) with this pill, right? There's so much bullshit out there. And here you're going to come out with something and educate an entire market to, uh, The cholinergic effect in acetylcholine generation and neurotransmitters Mm. and all those things that go along with what the goal of alpha brain
0: yeah i mean that was that was an interesting moment that was really where i you know mark the founding of on it because those whatever the hangover supplements i was playing around with that shit didn't work and i had to pivot and you know that was that conversation i had with joe asking him what supplement he would like the best. And he would like, I'd like a natural nootropic that really fucking worked. Yeah. You know, something that could enhance my cognitive abilities, but wasn't a drug. And I was like, all right, you know, like I'll get to work and go to the research, figure that out. And, um, you know, ended up having a relationship with a manufacturer that was willing to make some Mm -hmm. bench samples and some, and figure it out. So we put together the formula based on the ingredient research and the guidance that I could get from all the medical professionals and, We made something and it was so fucking strong. It's like, I really wanted it to work because I told Joe, like, this is going to work. And Joe's a beast. Yeah. I was like, we got to go. We got to really go all in. And it was so strong that there was no doubt that it worked. But like at least half the people who had that very first (laughs) sample dose were like, Holy shit, this is too strong. It was like. Your head was ringing. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's. And the way that acetylcholine works as a neurotransmitter is it's very similar to the, nicot, the nicotinic effects. So, like, for anybody who's had too much nicotine, oh, yeah, it feels good for a while and you feel sharper, you feel clearer. You know, nicotine is. In its own right, in nootropic, and there's lots of studies. I even put them in my book Mm -hmm. about the performance-enhancing effects of nicotine. But there's a rate-limiting amount that anybody can take, and like start spinning. Yeah, like in high school, if you're the that first time you put that dip in and you try that, like you end up in the toilet, like (laughs) regardless, and you're fine, you know, like you're okay as soon as your body cycles through it. But you get you get nauseous, and that was that's how strong the first alpha brain formula was which was kind of cool but also like all right well we got to adjust this from here and make this something that is like universally palatable but still efficacious
1: yeah i uh i st- i still have it wasn't the very first
0: one but the the nobody old, has the very first yeah. one because we got like a hundred pills yeah and, <laughs> and i
1: think joe joe consumed <laughs> 80 about 80 of them, 80 of them. yeah <laughs> but i uh i have taken on the role of a bit of an on it historian. So I've tried to gobble up as much of the history as I can. And uh, we're actually putting a display case up right now at the front. But I still have the original uh, Alpha Brain four pack, four blister pack. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And In uh, the yellow the, and greens. Yeah. The yellow and greens. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first took it too. It, w- it was, I think. Is it a coincidence it was Packers colors? <laughs> Me. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that's part of the calling. Uh But I remember the time I first tried it and I just, I tried it just after lunch. And I remember feeling like I was on fire in a good way. Like, but I could tell it worked and that opened up my eyes because normally when you take a supplement, you take it and just hope it works, like pop and hope and it's, and uh, move on with the day. But I took this and I felt Better, mm-hmm. genuinely, and uh, uh, that's no salesmanship. It really just was a, a, a killer, and that made me realize it opened up my eyes to what can be done with supplements in general, with baseline up folks that uh, are just trying to improve in whatever fashion. And
0: yeah, I think you know what it was, was one it? of the
1: first companies to do that.
0: Yeah, it really was. I think we really were disruptive in that we were creating supplements that people had an idea about supplements like yeah you take it and you, you imagine that it's good you imagine that it's good for you somebody says that yeah these things are good for you the vitamins you don't feel them but but i think on it really made its mark because we made stuff that people could feel we made <laughs> stuff that like actually made a, a tangible difference where you knew be like unequivocally that you could feel it but that didn't that didn't <laughs> exonerate us from a <laughs> shitload of criticism for sure you know like when i came out i was i was not i was not ready I'll tell you that. I was not ready. When we launched Alpha Brain, I was not ready for the amount of criticism that came out. You know, it was like every other thing being, being, Slung at me was a lot of the people who were trying it were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" But then so many people piled on snake oil salesmen, con artists, blah blah. blah, People, yeah, everybody, everybody just piling on. This is bullshit. Supplements don't work. Like categorical concepts that supplements in general don't work. And then like specific things. I think there was even articles coming out like, "This is everything wrong with supplements." You know, everything wrong with the world. This is it. It's snake oil (laughs) sale. Blah 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 and uh and that was hard because I wasn't used to that level of criticism right because I was in it was before social media was big and I was barely on it at that point anyway on social media and and I wasn't used to that level yeah. of criticism you know and and that was challenging but I knew that we had something that really did work and so we started that clinical trial process you know reaching out to the Boston Center for Memory And knew that we had to, like, validate this to just quiet all of this fucking noise, Yeah, you know, with the gold standard of scientific research. And that was like, that was probably the biggest moment, I think,
1: that I I could think back to. It was the bravest moment in a lot of ways, too, because uh, a lot, I mean you see supplement companies doing made to order studies all the time where they're paying a lot of times they're doing it internally and whatnot, but it's not like a true pharmaceutical grade, double blind placebo controlled study that they're going to publish if it's good, bad or sideways. And if that study would have come out and been sideways or for some reason worse it, it w- could have been a
0: company killer so like the it, emot- would have, it would have been it would have been and that was the that was the thing that was that moment where i had to push all the chips in I you know it was either like we could either survive and just kind of battle off all of the all of the hate and and all the criticism and say no just try it it works or we push all our chips in and silence the A silence the critics. Move. So yeah, reaching out for the Bo- to that Boston Center for Memory, they 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 actually told me beforehand. They're like, listen, no matter what, we're going to publish this. And to show you that, here's the last eleven supplements. All bad, right? Yeah, the last eleven supplements that we studied, we published the negative results. <laughs> the result, not negative, but the results that they didn't work. Yeah, that there was no statistically significant benefit period from these supplements and these are the 11 studies in a row and they're like we don't believe yours is going to work either so just so you know that and I was like "Mm -hmm. got it I think ours is different go for it (laughs) go for it you know oh
1: yeah it because at the time I don't know exactly I hadn't I got here right before it got published, so it wasn't when you had made that decision. Well,
0: there was but two. So there was two because there, there was, was the first was exactly. the first was the pilot study, and that one that one was the one that was really really nerve wracking because these studies are wildly expensive. So the pilot study is actually even harder to show statistical significance. The sample size is so small. The sample size is so small. So the n was like twenty one people or something, right? So it was a small sample size, and I remember waiting to get the results from that because that would be published too even though it was a pilot study yeah and a small study like that was going to get published and i remember i was getting a massage at the time because i was so stressed i knew the results were coming the data was in the study was study was unblinded to you the doctors you were getting a massage because you knew it was coming in that day i thought it was coming in that day or the next i was yeah, just yeah. Fu- i was a fucking i was a, i believed i believed in alpha brain but of For course sure. like with the sample size that small in a know. study you never know maybe we wouldn't reach that you know, magical p-value, you know, of significance on any of these, you know, classic studies and maybe some, some aspect of it or some aberration would have caused something. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I remember I was getting a massage and I had my phone just because our scientific advisor at the time, I knew that he would be the first to get the results from, um, you know, Dr. Todd Solomon and, and the whole team that was running it for the Boston Center for Memory. And I knew he would be the first to get the results. And I saw him text, and I saw a text come in, and I was like, I had my face in the little massage. You're thing. holding your hand under. I saw the, my face, yeah. th- and I had my phone underneath, and it lights up, and it says Jared Leach, and I go, Oh shit! I was like, I gotta, I gotta stop this massage, and uh, and I go out there, and he says, Call me. And oh my! Like,
1: worst text ever, fucker.
0: <laughs> so I like call him, I'm like, What's up? What's up? What's up? You know, and he's like, Good news. Oh. And I was like, at that moment, I mean, it's just one of those moments that I'll never ever forget. Like that moment of feeling this just like wave of relief and validation to know that, holy shit, like we really, we really fucking did it. And then, um, you know, that was that kind of key pivotal moment. And then we then, because it was a small sample size and I knew that some people would still criticize that because it wasn't powered enough with enough people we tripled the sample size for the next study, like 63 participants, I believe, mm-hmm. and then added even some more tests and then, you know, duplicated the results, improvements in, um, memory, in short-term memory and executive function. And even with, even after a single dose, we noticed some changes in the way that the brain processed, uh, input at different speeds and the way that the brain worked in a positive way. And, you know, that obviously came out a bit later, but, uh, that was like i think the moment where this all of these principles and all of these ideas and all of the methods and everything got validated in such a way that it was just a springboard and from there it was you know four or five years of just steady like relentless growth because we started to duplicate those same methods with all of those other formulas and you know we'd already created a lot of the formulas but then started putting those through testing as well total strength and performance with florida state university shrimp tech sport you know started verifying all of the as many of the other supplement combinations as we could but you know people knowing that this isn't just people trying to put out the best stuff based on the best ingredient research they're actually putting their live formulas their real shit up on the market to test, yeah. up to, up to scientific rigor to test. And, um, you know, I think that's part of that, like, you know, inexorable story of like what created this thing that was on it. And that's just one side. That's just the supplement side of this mm-hmm. total human optimization kind of behemoth that we've created here. Well,
1: yeah. And, and just to put a fine point on that at that time, you know, uh, alpha brain was, accounted for more than 50% of the revenue of the company too. So, I mean, it, it really was a huge gamble, but that, that was the defining moment for even everything that we do now is there, there is a proof of concept for everything we do when, when, um, we did get into fitness when you made another uh, call that you know this supplement company was going to make chimp face kettlebells, and that. Oh, Understandable. I whole. remember that was
0: not the most popular thing <laughs> no, that I brought back. We had a no. much smaller office. I was like, we're going to make kettlebells, and they're going to be shaped like, like chimpanzees. Worst idea ever. Our, our chief technical officer looks at me and goes, "That is a terrible idea." <laughs> <And> I go, <laughs> "Heard, heard, heard. We're doing it anyways." You know? Yeah. And yeah. that became the iconic figure of our company from that kind of fitness performance side that not only a chimp fitness.
1: kettlebell but the the chimp shirt came chimp out at shirt. The same,
0: it, it started two divisions of the company yeah the apparel it, and then and then the fitness it did and we kind of i kind of knew how to swing a kettlebell then <laughs> But not really, you know. Like I think there was kettlebells aren't like they are now. They're ubiquitous now. Now that now they're everywhere, and there's really good education about them. But back then there wasn't. There was a couple. There was a couple people. Yeah, Keith Weber, Pavel. You know, like um, you know Ken Blackburn. There were some people mm -hmm. who started to help guide that. But I don't think anything reached near the fruition than it could have until we found John Wolf, who's now our chief fitness officer who took the kettlebell, the mace, the clubs, the, you know, all the, everything, the ropes, the bag, the, all the tools that we have now. And then really like brought that to the level that we're really known for now.
1: And that's, that is the clinical trial of fitness, right? Is the education system is we built education to validate that, That uh, that methodology, people still call it unconventional fitness. Seems like it's the most conventional fitness like cavemen didn't bench press, but they did push, pull, drag and throw (laughs) offset weight stuff. Right. Right. And uh, him, uh, John being here, along with uh, Shane, growing the education side of that really made us experts on the fitness side as a company and so I really think it validated in people's mind the supplement side in some cases because there's a lot more people that work out or feel like they're experts in fitness more than there are experts in supplements and so when we're putting out good content and education on the fitness side I think it's an easier leap for people to say well it's quality over here I can believe that it's quality over here
0: so as I'm out here in California I forgot to bring my Pure Spectrum CBD vial. Now, that may not seem like a big deal because I could go run out and I could get a variety of other CBDs. I mean, California is like CBD capital of the world. But man, the Pure Spectrum stuff is just, it's the best. I mean, getting that black label, the 5,000 milligrams per tincture bottle and just taking a couple of those before bed, like I just sleep better. And The first nights I was out here, I was just not sleeping as good. And it makes like a big difference. And if you're not sleeping as good and you're not as rested and you don't feel that sense, then it's just harder to go through your day and produce at the level that you want to produce. Like sleep is one of those levers that just improves every other aspect of your life. So that's why I'm super grateful for companies like pure spectrum cbd that produce like the highest quality cbd and also at the highest dose ranges that don't accidentally get me high and of course i love the balms and all that too you've heard me talk about all this other stuff but um just super grateful that pure spectrum cbd has been a part of my life because it's made a dramatic impact so For any of you interested in trying CBD, maybe you haven't felt much and that might be because you need to push the dose a little bit and get a little bit higher in the dosage. You know, that's what Dr. Dan recommended to me, getting in that 100 to 200 milligram range where you really start to feel the effects and that's where I start to feel the effects for sleep. So if you're interested in trying it out, go to PureSpectrumCBD.com and use the code Aubrey and you're going to save yourself some cash when you're doing that. So 10% off pure spectrum CBD.com. code Aubrey save 10%. Thanks fam. I remember too, like thinking back to some other, you know, really cool moments. I remember when we were shipping out some of our early alpha brain and on one of the packing slips was, uh, AJ Hawk going to Ohio. Oh
1: yeah. yeah and,
0: yeah. and I was like, I think that's the the real AJ Hawk. And well, like, it has to be right with like, that name. Well, fuck! It's in Ohio. You know, it's where he's from. Like so, I reached out to the I reached out to the email that was on the order. I was like, hey, man, just want to, you know, see, like, uh, are you AJ <laughs> Hawker? They're like, e- either way, it's cool. This Mark is, this box, This yes. is Aubrey. <laughs> yeah, this is Aubrey, and I just wanted to check in with you. And, of course, it was. And then we developed a friendship, and that was the first, like, big athlete. He was an early came, adapter. Early adapter, and that was the first really big athlete. Interesting, he was a packer, too. It very yeah, weird. It's very weird. Yeah, it's, it's getting, getting coming it, around. It's coming around. It's getting weird. <laughs> Um, But yeah, that was like a really cool moment. And then since then, I mean, I've been so blessed to just work with and support just literally some of the best athletes in the world, you know, from all of the Chicago Blackhawks like Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith, all the champions like TJ and Cody and. Tyron Woodley on in the UFC and everybody that we've worked with, Cowboy of course, and yep. Michelle Watterson. Beatrice Johnson. Yeah, DJ, like all all champ just champion after champion after champion after champion coming through here in every gold. sport and every you know, and and, and I guess that was part of our founding DNA with Bodie Miller, too. Yep. you know, a lot the, of gold there, too. A lot of gold. Yeah. Full, full metal jacket for <laughs> for, uh, for Bodie. Yeah. Um, and that was also like just part of the identity of this as well, as all of these methods from the supplements to all these crazy training methodologies. Like, this is stuff I was doing with Bodie. This is stuff I was doing with Roger Huerta. This is stuff I was doing with the people that I was close with. With like, Juan and Primal in your way garage. Way back then, and yeah. And then, of course, Roger's best friends were... Juan and Sean and and young young Eric Leha thin Leha oh, young Non-jack young Leha. thin Eric Leha <laughs> long before he was a primal soldier yeah you know back when I could spar against him and beat him up but now I think it would probably go the other way pretty right. pretty heavily he's a monster he's a monster so you know it was a uh, it was part of our DNA but to see it proliferate the way that it did and see people really adapting it and just knowing that they were supporting themselves. Um, was awesome but that's that's also I think one of the one of the challenges that on it has had is we've had so many big names and so many people come in that people think like oh I got to be fucking I got to be this huge athlete to yeah. to be on it and that's like not the message at all like no. every single person reaching for you know being a little bit better in their own life can be on it is is the is the core of on it you know like that's really what the heart of this thing is all about it's not not about serving the elite percent of professional athletes yeah we have those but like every day day in and day out in the gym or in our in our customer base it's just people doing their best you know we I think that is the message when you think about it the
1: reason that we had so many influencers and it's one of the craziest parts of the company is we didn't really ever pay anyone initially anyways and Uh, These were people we were just seeing on Instagram that were using our stuff anyway. So we reached out to them and formed a more formal partnership with them. But uh, there were so many early adapters that were at the absolute pinnacle of what they were doing. And people that are at the pinnacle tend to be early adapters and are always looking for what's next. I think you're seeing the company uh, uh, start to feed into every. Everyday America, because it goes from those early adapters to the broader audience, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're seeing more than anything.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely the direction that this thing is going. There'll always be the the athletes who are interested, you know, because of our testing and because of our protocols and and our quality and and the effectiveness of what we do. But um, that's not who we're here to serve. We're here to serve everybody, you know, and I think That's that's a core piece of what. I'm offering you know and and why on it is still going to be this inexorable part of my message to the world because I know that you have to get your body right you yep. like this is our home like we don't get to and we don't get to sell it we don't get to move there's you know no like, reset button. there's no reset button there is a reset button well, <laughs> but it's a permanent reset <laughs> yeah button, yeah that's you know right what I mean and, yeah. and like we don't get to trade it in this isn't a lease you know this is like we own this thing for as long as we got to ride it till the wheels come off yeah and so Being able to support people in their physical body is what's going to be the foundation. You know, if you think of that pyramid of optimization, well, it always starts with the body and then you can have the mind and then the emotional body and then the spiritual body and then your community and then everything else that comes on top, which are a lot of topics that I love talking about, but that doesn't fucking matter when your body is and your, even your financial prosperity, like none of that matters when your body is fucked up. Like, right. think of anybody who's been really wealthy and then got really sick. They'd be like, yep, give all my money if I could be healthy again. Steve mm-hmm. Jobs, perfect example of that. Like, the body is the most important thing and, like, really supporting that. And of course, the mind body connection. You know, it's, it's so inexorable that it's even strange to call one mind and call one body because they so feed each other with the placebo and nocebo in the way that we, our attitude affects our hormones, affects our epigenetic regulation, affects everything that's happening. But nonetheless, like supporting that unit is just essential to actually be able to make the progress towards where we want to be and what we want to do. That really is, uh, being fit to serve it, Mm -hmm. it,
1: where, I think I am able to see it the most is the more, and it doesn't, it's not even, I, don't even want to use the word fit, but just doing some of the right things, just at a base level, you see this mood enhancement. And that mood enhancement is intoxicating on its own and can lead you on that path where you just start doing a couple of the right decisions. And like in your book, you talk about just making a couple of small changes Mm -hmm. early on and how they start to snowball. And I think that's really the message. And honestly, I think that's what everybody is trying to do is just get a little bit better today than they were yesterday and create a little bit of momentum and a couple healthy habits. And that typically leads to better mood, which leads you to uh, more optimism in the path that you're taking. It's just really hard when you get into that negative space because it becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: And so many things are so close. Like work work like maybe i'll go to the gym maybe i won't it's not like a it's not like your the the spectrum is really far you're like 48 percent no 52% yes you know yeah. or reverse you know and it's like there's a 4% gap between that so like if you're in a little bit better mood have a little bit better energy if you've slept a little bit better it maybe you the make it tips to the other side yeah. and maybe that you maybe you go yes i will go work out today and then after you work out you're like yes i do want to make love to my wife or my husband and after you do that you're like yes i do want to you know read to my kids <laughs> and yes i do want to get a good like it, and i want to eat better and like it's it's this thing That's really interesting that I think people don't give enough credit to is just how we're really close. And if we just get a little bit of support, it might be enough to create that positive feedback loop that's really going to make dramatic changes in in anybody's life. I think that's one of the things that is
1: very unique about on it is that we do have permissibility to talk with some level of authority on supplementation, nutrition, fitness, and mental and emotional wellness. We have uh, activities in each one of those areas. We have a lot of content in each of those areas. So there's, uh, there's a lot of Companies, individuals that can talk about one or two of those, but no one that can talk about all four. And the unique thing that's starting to happen here is that on it's doing that as a company, but you're also doing it as an individual. And you're able to do it from a, a different perspective than what the company is. I'm curious like how how you see that juxtaposition between what you're talking about as the founder of on it and what you're talking about as Aubrey Marcus the individual
0: you know the the beautiful thing is is that while i think you know science is ever evolving and there's always different ways that you can you know look into something and find some ideas like the carnivore diet didn't exist when i wrote Own the day yeah. right i mean yeah. it existed but yeah, it no, wasn't wasn't really talked about mm-hmm. you know but the keto diet at that point had been talked about and, and the benefits of that are still being elucidated by science so You know, what I was able to do in in writing on the day was to just condense all of this wisdom and information with the 330 clinical citations, everything that brought everybody up to speed. And that's like really the foundation. The body is the body. Mm -hmm. And if you get most of the stuff right and clear up a lot of these misconceptions, misconceptions about you know, dietary fat making you fat. Well, no, that's not true. It's actually the sugar. It's even the sugar that's, you know, contributing to the bad parts of cholesterol and and cleaning up all these misconceptions. I felt like with that, that was kind of like, all right. Like I I laid the pillar down of like, here's how you take care of the body. Here's how you regulate circadian rhythm. Here's how you rehydrate, making sure that you're covering your electrolytes. Here's how you handle so many of these different factors that for me it was it was almost this point like on it will continue to do that and continue to beat that drum because it's the most important part you cannot ignore the base of the pyramid right but i contributed the majority of my genius to the you know to basically putting together all of this information into a into a single binder a book you know and also perf you know perfuse through the whole company as well and everything that we talk about on the on an academy blog and all of the information that we put out but I've contributed the majority of my genius to that category and so the only place for me to continue to move is to continue to move on and like move on to the mind and consciousness and spirituality and love and relationship and you know tribe and community and these other things that's where I still have more to give you know and and while I'm still going to be beating this same drum and it's because it's important for me to beat this for myself like I'm not going to stop being on it myself yeah i'm not going to stop talking about being on it because it's the base you can't ignore the base and move on and be like and now i move to the library to study the mind like i have to keep doing the same things but for me it's the progression of like where i can offer my gift you know and and actually serve my medicine it just it has to evolve and so it's another reason why this decision was you know pretty easy for me is because you know while i'm still going to be A part of this forever because I have a body, you know, and as long as I have a body, that body's going to be on it, you know, but that's not where I have the most to contribute anymore. We have such a great team and so many different doctors and advisors and, and people who are supporting this you know that I don't need to I don't know need to be on the forefront, you know, and we're bringing in people are coming to us if we want if we want to talk about the carnivore diet, we got the carnivore doctors, you know mm-hmm. Saladino or whoever we want to talk about that, even if when new things come up, we can explore it with that kind of impartial, unbiased perspective of like all right, what's the best shit you know and I think that's another part of our identity that I think is important it's not we're not dogmatic. Exactly. We're not saying like kettlebells only like fuck your barbells, you know, like no, we do both, you know, barbell class is one of the most popular classes in Mm -hmm. in the on a gym. And it's not like supplements only your food doesn't matter, you know, or like food only supplements doesn't matter. Like your mindset doesn't matter. It's about this. It's like, no, it's like it all matters and it's all it's all fluid and we have to just approach it all. It's weird. Every fad feels the need to go to war with everything. Right. 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 Like, oh, this is the way. This is the way. Vegan is the way. This is the way. No, it's all good. Mm -hmm. It's all good depending on the use case, depending on who you are and what you're looking for. Right. And like that idea, I think, is also what's, you know, disruptive because everybody tries to say like, this is the only way. No, it's not this is just one way
1: and we're still learning so much we're still so
0: infantile in our total
1: overall knowledge of even how the body works much less the mind yeah yeah Yeah, and
0: and fortunately we're getting so much better you know like quickly so much better quickly and i think a lot of the big issues that have created these big macro problems are being exposed and reversed yeah and i'm happy about that but let's talk a little bit more about like the actual business mechanics of this thing because it was this was a this was fucking interesting Yeah, how this whole thing worked because when we started, it was pretty much like straight up podcasts. Yeah, because podcasts were just blooming. Yeah, in 2011, like that was the point where podcasts
1: at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And we like we started podcast advertising. Obviously, Joe Rogan was a partner, so he was talking about it. I had a really rinky-dink tiny podcast that came that didn't really matter, but we got other podcasts on board. And the returns on podcasts at the, at those early days were unbelievable, absurd, yes. absurd. Yeah. But like with anything, you know, eventually people catch on yep. and like you have to adapt and things get tighter and like, and that was an interesting thing because while the first few years of growth were entirely based on picking the right podcasts and convincing them that, you know, finding something that they like to talk about and that was another kind of disruptive piece that we had is like i remember even when um you know working with different people we would send them a box of stuff and like adam carolla for example like our our, the whole message i would always say is just talk about what you like we sent them a box of everything we had he loved the jump rope. He loved the fucking jump I knew, rope. I knew you you're going to say. He that. loved the fucking jump he rope. We it. sent him all our supplements, like all our <laughs> badass equipment and we made this really rinky-dink jump rope, you know? It was yep. nice. It was yeah, a good was jump fun, rope. Everything we make is nice. Yep. But it would like it, was the lowest, brain. it had the lowest margins. It was yeah. like not it was not <laughs> yeah. a product. We don't even continue it. We didn't even continue it. Yep. But he's like, you know, I used to be a boxer. I really liked the jump rope. And I was like, fuck it. Talk about the jump rope. You know, like whatever you want to talk about. As long about, as it's real. As long as it's real. And I think people really resonated with that too. Yep. Um, because and, that's why they resonated with podcasts, is because they were getting to be a
1: fly on the wall for a hang between two people. Right. And they love the authenticity of that form yeah. format.
0: And that's the way that's the way Joe always was. I mean, I remember in some of the I remember I put the word I put the word swagger on the label of our total strength and performance. And Joe hit me up and just fucking lit me up for that. I was like, okay, man. Like, okay. Like, I get it. But he was like, he's like, what the, what are we using that fucking word for? Like, Bob, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I just put it on the label. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like it gives you like fucking confidence in the gym. Swagger. I don't know. But uh, but he always had that kind of like if he felt something, like whatever he felt. And I, he talked about that publicly, too. Like, yeah. He like blasted us for that. He'll call everybody He'll out. He'll call everybody yeah. out. He you called know? That,
1: Team Alpha Male out for yeah. their name, too. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, like whatever whatever it is that he feels, mm-hmm. you know, he just Not shy. He just talks about it. And, and it didn't matter that he was owner of Honor or whatever. He was going to just say it like it was. And I think that was also the beautiful part of that partnership. It's great, yeah. I, I think we're just at a point
1: where if... I feel like the long, hopefully long dead are the days where six guys get into a cigar smoke-filled room and and decide how they're going to make money off of people. Mm. And uh, people can see it now because they have so, so much more access. They, they can see uh, into... The business through the social media, through the people that work there, they call out bullshit a lot quicker. And so you almost have to be authentic while you're being transparent. Otherwise, because people aren't expecting you to necessarily be perfect. They're just expecting you to be real. And that's how trust is built in day-to-day relationships. So it's logical that that's how trust is going to be in the future. You don't just get to... Uh, uh, you know, um, do a thirty-second commercial explaining why we should trust a brand uh, when people have that much access to the and insight to it. I always talk about the you know, Dawn dish soap, right? They they always have a commercial where they're wiping oil off a bird like it was their idea (laughs) and uh, but at the same time they're like testing chemicals on animals like people are going to call you out for that you're not going to get away with doing that yeah yeah
0: totally yeah that's absolutely true that's funny i never i never really even thought of that but it is (laughs) such a such a fucking so weird (laughs) yeah it is really funny um we were tested too i mean i remember probably the biggest test as as the ceo maybe not the biggest but one of the biggest tests as a ceo that i can remember was when our site got hacked Oh yeah, our site got hacked. And what year was that? Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, something like that. And um, you know, we had a we had a data security team, but that was that was the point where lots of shit was getting hacked. Like Target, I think, got hacked, and and they you know tried to cover it up, and they covered didn't, it up for like
1: two years. Yeah, or something. they like yeah, they, and
0: then and you know, so there's like a lot of these other examples of a lot of sites getting hacked. Like I think data security, and then and then the people who are really you know clever and and clever enough and insidious enough to get in there and try and access that data and sell it. They were just better than the, you know, it's like the weapons were better than the armor at that point. And, um, and so we found that out. And I remember again, that the same CTO comes in and I could see he was shook you know, he was shook because he found it, you know, no customers reported it or anything. Like he found the security breach and he was really fucking smart, smart, dude. Yeah. And he uh, was
1: always kind of a cool hand loop
0: type guy. Yeah, always, so, a, always, always so always chill. never like yeah. always seemed like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. You know? But I could see that he was like, it was he a was, different day. He was shook. It was a different day. And he let me know that he discovered a security breach and he didn't know how much data they got access to at that point. And I was like, but they, sh- they shored it up. No customers were complaining. And he's like, listen, man, I mean, we haven't got a single complaint. There's a good chance that there's a good chance that no data was actually, you know, compromised, but there's a chance that it was. And I was like, huh, all right. And I sat about it for a minute and I was like, all right. And I started immediately drafting the email Mm -hmm. that was going to announce to our entire customer base that we just got hacked. And at the same time, I'm just dreading the conversation with Rogan that I knew I was going to have to make like. Hey, partner. So our site got hacked, and potentially everybody's credit card got compromised. And you know, while that conversation was uncomfortable, it was necessary. And I, you know, I knew that that was that was the right move because if we, if I knew that even if we did cover this up, you know, and it, even if it didn't, I would still have that idea in the back of my mind that we put our customers at risk, and we were too cowardly to go tell them the truth yeah. of what happened. So we ended up putting out like a, just a genuine apology to everybody and letting them know what happened. And it ended up causing like one of the biggest rallies of support that I've seen from our customer base where they'd seen in the marketplace, everybody covering up these things until it got so big that it couldn't be covered up. And we came out prior to anybody even being aware and letting them know of the potential risk. And they were like, the majority of everybody was like, some people were like, you guys are fucking idiots. You know, some people said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But the majority was, hey, thank you. Like, yeah. I really appreciate that. And I think it like built even more trust with our like core customers.
1: Well, and at that time, I don't even think the investigation
0: was completely done. As soon as
1: you found out, like you said, the email was going No. On.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and it fucking happened again before we figured out where it came from because there was actually an internal there was like an internal one of the one of the people we still outset outsourced some tech work and I had to announce that apology. I had to do the whole thing over again. That was that was that was, that was that even more of a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Is because what, like, like literally a couple days later? No, like like a few months later. Oh. Like the same and then we figured out that the this wasn't an attack from an outside. It was somebody who had previously gained access, an overseas developer who had, like, actually had access from within the system. So it was actually, like, data, it was still data security because we weren't, weren't working with that contractor anymore. Right. But nonetheless, like, we did give him credentials yeah, at some point. Yeah, the call and was did, coming from and in didn't, didn't come and clean our credentials so like then i had to fucking announce it again and i was and called joe again and i was like no now i really look like an idiot (laughs) you know but nonetheless it was the same thing repeated it was just like just go fucking do it and then if it would have happened again thank god it didn't but like it would have had to be again and it's like i mean at a certain point you know it is your responsibility to do absolutely everything you can and we did you know but We just did our best and fucking figured it out and then told the truth and it worked. Here we are.
1: Yeah. And that's, we were talking earlier about like there not being a playbook and that's something that there's just not a playbook for, or, you know, you see, you can see what other people have done, but you just have to make the decision based on the best available information and what you think is right and wrong based on your own value system.
0: Yeah. What do you think, um, let's talk about the, let's talk about the mistakes that we've made Oof, this thing. All
1: right. Yeah. We're going to make this a six part podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's
0: talk about what do you think, what do you think? Cause we've talked about a lot of the yeah. you know, good decisions we've made. What do you think are some of the bad decisions we've, that you've, that you've made?
1: Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're really joking aside. There, there have been several that, uh, looking back on it, um, if I could do it all over again, and even looking back on it, like just kind of head scratching. I mean, we've talked about this one before, but when times were really good, tricking myself into believing that times are always going to be really <laughs> good. And anybody that uh, has, has balanced their own checkbook or run a business knows that that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. And um, going too all in on Construction projects and the growth of the company is still the thing that I look at as uh, if I could take one thing back, it would be that because there's still this glaring uh, building over in suite 300 that remains unfinished that I'm still dealing with here a couple of years later that at the time we were growing and I was like, we're going to have 40 more people. I got to find desks for everybody. And we start building out this beautiful 10,000 square foot place. And, uh, that, that was an enormous mistake. And then on top of it, to compound the, the mistake, I was using a a general contractor that ended up screwing us in the end. (laughs) So like, it it just made it a double bad. And so, uh, I look at that as maybe, maybe that's not the most impactful. Maybe that's not even the biggest, but it's the biggest to me because it's the one I should have known better. Mm. I saw there was more writing on the wall that I was walking past at the time that I should have seen. And so, as as you know, you know, we get into a cash crunch either because we're, growing or whatever it is but and
0: overspending and And overspending it's it's that that whole attitude and of course I'm like I'm party to all of your mistakes right because I was the acting CEO and you were the COO or you know eventually turning into the president so any mistake you make is also my fault too so that's three-legged racing yeah it's awesome it's also my fault in that but you do get you get you get seduced by this idea that growth is always going to be there that your net profitability is always going to be there and things are good you're cushy so you just keep hiring people and someone's like ah, oh, we need some more people we're like sure yeah you know oh you need some more people sure oh we need more desks sure let's rent this let's get this place yeah. you know and then and then all of a sudden things shift and you've overspent and you've like wasted a lot of your extra resource and you're like oh fuck and we had those oh fuck moments. We did. You know, about two years ago was probably probably the biggest oh fuck moment. Yeah. With our cash flow being like, oh shit, we turned this thing unprofitable all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, well, and even back to the, the that construction project at the time, it wasn't just that construction project. Like we bought a food truck. We started an MMA facility. Like we were yeah. doing all sorts of stuff all at the same time. But yeah, two years ago, uh, that, was, that was the tightest. That was... As difficult of a moment I've had professionally, maybe personally in my life. And I've broken my neck, right? <laughs> so, so like you can imagine, I and I remember uh, coming in uh, one day and realizing that the first thing I had to do was go through all of the bills and decide who was getting paid. And I, I just, I mean, it, that, that adds a lot of gravity to the moment.
0: You know what the other part of the story is? We just hired a new CFO. I didn't know if I was going to... Yeah. We just yeah. hired a new CFO at yeah. that point, And he just looks at the situation and just goes, I'm out. Yep. I'm he out. Said, he said, I, this is not what I want to spend the next couple months
1: doing. So I'm. he quit without notice. Quit without notice. Didn't even <laughs> just, give us two weeks. Just like, walked. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. So, so the day <laughs> I'm talking about is the day right after that, right? So walk in, no CFO, uh, uh, just... Bring it. We didn't even have a controller at the time. We no, just had no, it
0: was you, it was
1: just me. Yeah. And I knew how to log into the QuickBooks at that time. And, <laughs> and, uh, that, you know, that's tough because, again, no playbook. Uh, I hadn't been in a situation like this before and it was dark. And that's like that moment I was talking about where, like, all the writing on the wall at that point said, get out, quit. Right. But I still in my head, that truth I was talking about to start the, the uh, podcast was I knew it was going to be OK as long as I just kept my fucking head down, kept making the best decisions uh, to the best of my ability and just get a little closer every day. And I will tell you, um, for the first time in my life, I had experienced anxiety as I understand it and as other people explain it. I could feel that bubble up. And then uh, one day, a couple couple days later, I wasn't even here at work. I was at home. I'm outside walking my dog. And all of a sudden, I start to panic. And I was like, what's going on? I didn't even know why. I'm just walking my dog. No big deal. And I could feel it start to bubble up. And I felt my hand trembling. I was like, Oh no! I can't breathe. Why can't I breathe? And I, I, I wasn't rationalizing that I was having a panic attack, mm-hmm. and I was having trouble and shortness of breath. And I grabbed the fence near where we were, and uh, uh, just went down to a knee, and I just toughed that out. And I was like, "Whoa, that's not that's not good, mm-hmm. right?" And I realized like, "Oh, I'm in a different place right now," and. It, and I realized the the weight of everything and all the pressure. And I really felt like it was all on me to fix this thing. And there's still a lot of people, but, you know, mm-hmm. it still felt, I felt Radical the weight oner- of all ra- of
0: Radical ownership. Yeah. yeah. And you did, you did take ownership in that moment. And, you know, that was something that, you know, we all, we all tried to pull together to figure out. Lots of people. But I remember that, you know, the only thing that we could do to kind <clears> of <throat> create some levity... Is we called it the cash apocalypse.
1: It was the cash
0: We called it the cashpocalypse and we would we would laugh about it. And we it's would. like what like operators talk about when they're deployed overseas and they're in the in the shit. Yep. You know, like it's humor that allows you to get through those gnarly situations. And us sitting around our tables talking about cash apocalypse, and you know, that was probably the the only relief that any of us had because oh. I was looking at the yeah. I was looking at the potential death of my baby you know, here and on at this thing that I love, this thing that was a planted a flagpole, you know, that was supporting so many different people. And that our mistakes and our, you know, in some ways hubris, this idea that, the good times are always going to be good. It's like, yeah. oh, we've had tailwinds for our entire journey. They're going to yep. continue forever. Like, we don't need to take care of the sails and we don't need to, you know, keep the ship tight. You know, we were running a fucking pleasure barge. Yes. You know, and, yep. and, and without even really realizing it, it was just like, Meh. And, uh We'll and just keep growing out of we'll it. We'll just keep growing. That's yeah, what we'll, it we'll was. Just, we'll just make more out of it. Yep. And, yeah. uh, uh,
1: you know, you talk about the humor that also was one of the more fun times I had had too, because you do kind of get into that. Like, uh, like you have to almost have a bit of a don't give a fuck attitude. Otherwise you are going to get crushed by the weight of that. And I, I remember, um, uh, Caitlin and I bought a couple of Nerf guns. We just went in and attacked creative, right? Like, you just go in yeah. and start firing off Nerf things. And like, you just start playing around a lot more uh, mm-hmm. than you used to. And actually, that it was the most beneficial experience I've had now. I don't... I'm never going to do it again. I promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, but but it was the most beneficial thing because sometimes that chop down is exactly what you need. You put your hand on the stove. You're like, I'm never touching that thing. again." It
0: almost always is like you almost ha- always have, have to get to fucking smashed yeah. in order to recognize like, Oh shit, I made a, I made a big mistake here. Yep, You know? And I think that's, that's something that's an experience that will always carry. And now as we've, you know, really are now in the, coming through into another really you know really great outlook for where the company is going right incredible like we're never going to forget cash apocalypse yes. like it doesn't matter how many years in a row we string together wins like cash apocalypse is something that we'll never forget because it it was it was crushing
1: I have a folder on my computer that's in the middle of the screen that still says cash apocalypse <laughs> for the files from the that that we'll never forget that for sure yeah yeah and, and now thankfully the the company's in a better cash position than than we ever have been right and we have a lot of great products on the horizon and we've gotten rid of a lot of the uh non accretive products we've gotten really focused so a no lot more of more jump things have n- no more jump ropes most likely <laughs> <laughs> you might have a speed rope yeah but I don't
0: think we got a jump rope but
1: uh but but yeah just getting a lot more focus in is it. and it's really thanks to Thanks to that time. Yeah. no
0: Yeah. No. I'm going to look back at what I would say my biggest mistake as a CEO would be, um, I made, I made plenty, but, um, but one of the biggest ones was, um, I, it's hard to say what, like what necessarily the biggest was, but I would say probably generally knowing that someone was the wrong employee but feeling bound to them by the leverage that they had either on their expertise or their knowledge base and not being aggressive enough in looking for a replacement immediately and you know because we've had some great employees but we've also had some people that we've known were like fucking up the fucking up the vibe yep you know what i mean but they had they had special sets of skills and special sets of knowledge that we felt were irreplaceable and so we let ourselves be like handcuffed to these people, and just watch them kind of wreak havoc in their own cancerous way. And I think we knew we knew we were we knew we needed to move on. But we spent. I think you know I spent too long without just putting the hammer down and being like, you know, there's a great line that that another entrepreneur told me. It's you know better to have a hole than an asshole, right? So like an uh-huh. empty place that you can feel yeah, fill than to have somebody line. that yeah that that's just really messing things up and. I think looking back, like whenever we got rid of that person, and there's only been a couple, we've done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. But whenever we got rid of that person, everything blossomed. It did, you know, like everything blossomed underneath. And what we thought was irreplaceable was not, you know, like there was other people's expertise that we could call on, and and in we fact, really have other
1: people blossom. In yeah, the like cases. we never
0: we never really missed a beat when they left. And, and every time we do that, we're like, should have moved a lot quicker on that one. You and I have said it
1: multiple times. we were six months late on that one. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and some people we've let stick around just because they were really good for the culture. The, the opposite, but the opposite. they weren't doing any work. Right. Yeah.
0: And that's a less that's a less costly mistake. It is. You yeah. know, it's it's like, a slightly oh, but, more fun one. But, but we love them. They, yeah. We can go to the volleyball court, and it's yeah. so fun to be around them. You know. Yeah. Um. But nonetheless, like that's that's also if we're being if we're running a tight ship, you got to make those hard decisions. That and is
1: not a tight ship.
0: And I've had to, you know, I've had people I'm really close with that I've had to personally let go because I've been a part of, you know, I don't, not as so much anymore and certainly not anymore from here. But I was a part of the majority of all of the hiring and firing of every, of every employee and letting go. I've let go so many friends.
1: I mean, when you start a company, you almost have to get your friends and then people, you know, and in some cases, family, extended family. And that's tough.
0: Like literally, you know, there's now we have a hundred and what and what do we have now? How many total employees? Like a
1: hundred and well, 130 full time, 180 if you include Black Swan.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I have relationships and I feel friendly with everybody, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, so many people in the company, but like all my friends are gone, all of them, yeah, except for Juan. Yeah. yeah, So for Juan Juan on the fitness side, Juan Juan and Sean, Juan and Sean running the gym are like, they're like literally the last, the last of my friends and, and that have, that have like stayed on and, and continued on now on my, you know, on my personal team, you know, that I'm taking forward, you know, I'm still working with some friends there, but nonetheless, like as far as on it is concerned. And that's a hard thing too. That's something that like you start when I started, it was just like. Things happened so fast. It was like, every person I knew, I was like, "Help, help, 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 help," and like everybody just helped. And they were all friends, and then like some of them lasted, and they, they, but they all had a termination date because it's very hard to grow, and especially from like a, when a company's really small, you have a big purview because you're you're generalist. You have to do so yes, many different things. Everything. And now we're in a in a time of absolute specialists, and it's hard for a generalist to become a specialist. It's almost impossible in a lot of cases. You really have to, it's possible, but very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, that transition has been made and necessary. We've seen it evolve
1: like three or four times. You can almost segment it out where we did grow. Uh, The generalists that were here when I first got here, they were some of the best humans on earth because they literally were willing to do anything. Yeah. And that's exactly what the company needed at the time. But when I first came in, the biggest hotspot was compliance because we were dealing with Prop 65 and other things that we had to get up to speed and, and just like any other growing company. And, uh, um, generalists can't cover compliance generally, right? So you yeah. have to get a specialist there and then product development gets more complicated. Labels get more complicated and it just, uh, we're, we're dealing
0: with even uh, marketing, even you know. marketing gets more complicated. I remember there was one day, like some of the longest lasting employee, longest standing employees, I had to fire three of them in a row. And yeah. I, it was our chief marketing officer, our creative director and our director of apparel. Bang, bang, bang! Like all in one day, because we didn't want to like stretch this thing out. We knew we had to make a shift, and I think I I think I empathically cried with all of them in every one of those. It was a rough day. That day fucking sucked. That day sucked. That day sucked. But I knew that that's one of the reasons why. And you know, for those entrepreneurs out there, like, do not avoid those painful terminations and let somebody else do those. Like, if you're making the decision, it's like the fucking season one of game of thrones you know with ned stark (laughs) like if you read the execution you wield the sword like you go in there because and do it and don't do it from this cold sociopathic discompassionate place because we can all retract ourselves to that state like go in there open and feel what they feel and that's courage Mm -hmm. so if they feel emotional and you feel emotional like be emotional be firm in your boundaries but like feel what they feel. And so they know that you feel what they feel. And then that's the way that like all of these parties, that's why all those relationships are still on a positive footing is because they saw me in there and they got to see my heart. And it's the same way that you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same way that it's the only way that it can be done. It's really uh, over five and a half years.
1: I've sat in on most of the times that, that you've terminated somebody and I've can't think of a single time that it went poorly or didn't end with a hug.
0: And I can that's, think of one time. Oh really? I can think of one time where someone just bolted for the door.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think that's really incredible though, yeah. because that's it is the hardest thing that you'll ever have to do. You're taking away somebody's livelihood and you know they have to go home they have rent they might have family whatever it is it's not to uh, a decision to be taken lightly at the same time it's not a decision to be put off either and that's what uh, uh, is one of the more difficult things about being a leader and being able to go into that and be honest on why this is happening um, is is a is a wonderful trait to have and when you look at those people that uh, we're talking about you know there's a few of them that own their own businesses now and look Even back they're at crushing that it. That, that moment had to happen for them, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's having faith that they'll they'll land on their feet. You mm-hmm. know, I think you can hypothesize this kind of, they're going to be out on the soup kitchen, and you're going to catch them one day, and right. they're going to be all bearded and grizzly, and, <laughs> and they to look at you like, you did this to me. Yeah. You know, and if that's the case, that's the first thing you for, for sure let go. Yeah, yeah. If they can't find other employment, like, <laughs> then they definitely. Made the right choice. You just, you have to put, you yeah. have to put the health of the organism above the health of the cell. That's exactly The health it. of the individual and that's you have to constantly make that choice and you have to make that choice with yourself and make that choice everywhere else the other thing too is you have to fucking you have to celebrate criticism from from internal from from the internal staff like you have to welcome it and you have to like embrace it even if you totally disagree with it and that's not an easy thing to do too like you have to be like you know what thank you for your dissenting opinion yeah. like i really fucking appreciate that it took a ton of courage and it's awesome now here's why i completely disagree with you you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean but like you yeah. have to celebrate that oh you and do like that's the only way that you're going to actually get honest feedback
1: you actually have to make it systemically mandatory in in a way, because uh, otherwise the person at the top, it doesn't complete the feedback loop. And a lot of times when when you're the person at the top of anything, uh, a couple things happen. First, you have to create that feedback loop, because otherwise you're going to always think you're making the right decision because there's going to be nobody calling you out, which is almost exclusively not true. But then also, yeah, you don't get easy decisions anymore by the time decisions get to you it's not the choice between a good choice and a bad choice it's choices that are probably bad short-term versus bad long-term or it's just bad all the way around you have to figure out how to change a playing field either by entering something into it lengthening it out all those skills that you have to develop when uh you make tough decisions for a living and i think that's the most complicated thing to learn as a leader as you grow is uh making the best possible decisions, being confident in what you're doing and understanding how to go through that process internally.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think one of the other things that was really hard for me was knowing that I wasn't fulfilling the role that a CEO should, Mm. you know, and, and I would, I would torture myself about this endlessly. And I would come up with declarations like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go check the books. I'm going to go sit over our advertising director's shoulder and look at all the ads. I'm going to go sit down and I'm going to look at all the traffic sources. I'm going to go through all the Google analytics. I'm going to, you know, go in and, and I just couldn't quite bring myself to do it. And I tortured myself for a long time with that. Like knowing, like, I know, I know that that's the role. That's what a CEO should do. But I was still being more of the founder, inspirational leader rather than that CEO that's the, like y- your role. You got to turn over every rock for sure, because if there's a rock you don't turn over, you're gonna, where, f- there's going to be some shit under there. For sure. You know, yeah. and that's that's, I think, something that you have to be willing to do. And and um, as much as some part of me wanted to do that, that's not what you're being pulled.
1: That's towards. not what I was being pulled towards.
0: It yeah. would have been a force. I would have had to force myself to do it. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it and that's what you preach a lot
1: too is to head towards that calling whatever that calling is yeah you've been you've been heading that way or edging that way for a few years now i think over the past year though i've seen it much more prolifically and i think part of that is you've just gotten bigger too you know there's a lot more people listening you got on the New York Times bestseller list. Like there there's things that have been life changing that have happened over that period as well. But uh I, I've seen you start to get pulled in a different direction. Conversely, I've gotten r- almost maniacally addicted to turning over rocks. Like <laughs> Good. that. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy that. I, I was up until about 1am last night, just digging through Expensify, like looking at people's credit cards and I'm like, I should probably go to sleep at some point, <laughs> but I was actually enjoying it. So, yeah. you know, we get, we have to lean into what the calling is and make sure that everybody's sitting on the right place at the bus yeah. because where you're now, I think you're, uh, freed up to help on it the most
0: yeah I agree I mean it' on it's in my blood it's in my DNA and it's in it's in everything that I've done and I've given I've given the best of my gifts to Onnit as CEO and so the roles that I'll be playing now is still in the product development meetings and, you know yeah. like because that's that's an area where still run the I'm, I'm sure. still right in the battlefield with everybody who's in the human performance sphere and, and I, I'll never leave that aspect of that. And then founder, chairman, you know, and one of the lead spokespeople for this brand who's out there talking about it, you know, in, in in the truthful way that it is because there's not a day that goes by that I don't consume something on it or move something on it or do something on it or do. It's just, it's me. I created this because I wanted all this stuff, yeah. you know? So like the idea that... Yeah. That's what's preposterous to me about some other founders. Like you'll see other founders of different, you know, nutrition and fitness companies being like, what? You started this? Like, what are you taking your stuff? Like, what what are you, (laughs) like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't, like there's a huge disconnect. And I think that's also one of the congruencies that's helped this is like, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm here. Oh no, that is the
1: thing. I mean, that, that
0: is the thing is
1: that you, uh, and I am not kissing your ass here. This is like the the truth of the matter is the reason that on it is where it is, is because you were ballsy enough to create a company uh and surround yourself with all the stuff you wanted anyway, that yeah. you just didn't find <laughs> someplace else, right? Like yeah. you wanted those maces. You wanted um you wanted to uh, make these products uh just like you were always talking about like all the the pills that were on the paper towel you you wanted to make that easier so you did that for yourself the fitness and then and then you started getting into foods because you like shakes and you you made this business uh you're just the personification of the business so there's no getting away from it
0: and I don't want to yeah and I never would you know and I think that's why this is uh this will be a big announcement publicly when this goes out but yeah <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is it's like same as usual, just some different agreements, some different, you know, different titles, different way. I'm even subleasing the same fucking office. So You're we're, we're renting gonna, it from me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm subleasing my office from <laughs> from you now. So, um, so I'm going to be here in the same in the same spot. So, in some ways, it's a big transition. In some ways, yeah. it's it's also like just actually bringing things into accord with the way they really were, you know. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson in life in general. It's just if things are out of alignment with the way they are, just make the corrective moves to bring them back into alignment to the way they actually are. And I think, you know, and I I hope and believe that this is actually going to be something that's going to be really um, positive. And I really, really do believe that. I think it's going to be something very positive for the company here moving forward because I think when you get congruent with all the energies and there's no you know, there's nothing that's out of in discord with like what the title is versus what the role is versus what's happening. I think everything just kind of the energy just is able to move without getting scattered.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, and I I agree with you. It is just getting it right with how it was because for, for years, the, the role that I tried to take on here is to get the get the internal business to match the external message. And whether that was designing the healthcare plan or writing the handbook or all of those things that we did internally, I wanted to um, hold that mantle because I was convinced that even internally on it could be a change agent for how businesses are run. Uh, that That same value system being applied to business itself. And that's Uh, what I hope to continue to bring in the new role yeah no doubt
0: well look I want to just give the utmost gratitude to you for answering the call in every way and um and just say that I I really believe in you and no matter what I know this is the right choice and the fact that it's the right choice is not dependent on what happens from here it's the right choice because it's the right choice now and uh so just know that that know that this is the right choice and you're the right guy and um you once again have the keys to the castle, my friend.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I, I uh, uh, want to thank you for uh, being brave enough to hire me in the first place. Uh, coming from the hotel industry, we've. You're, I'm closer with you than than anybody that. Uh, Uh, I haven't dated and, and, uh, (laughs) we do talk, we do talk like boyfriends. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we've gotten really tight over the years. And, um, like I said to you, when, when, uh, we talked about potentially making this switch that I I said, um, off the cuff, but now it's become kind of a motto of mine is I, I can't say that I will never fail, but I promise you that I'll never fail you. And, uh, and I'll never fail this company and the people in it and the people, uh, uh, that depend on this company's products, uh, content, and, and voice.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And thank you to everybody who's been a part of this journey for so many years now, like over nine years, and just so much love and gratitude to all of you for supporting us and for being a part of this this idea, this kind of, this feeling that is on it you know and really whether you buy stuff or you don't buy stuff like it's something that you carry in your heart you know it's it's something that doesn't require purchase no purchase necessary to be on it truly like that's just a that's an attitude and that's a that's an idea and for all of you who've carried that idea whether you've bought something ever or not like thank you to you and just carry that to your own communities to your own family and spread that message with words or even better without you know like just spread it by being who you are and um and thank you so much so all right everybody we're out we're out i hope you guys enjoyed this milestone podcast and of course to help support the podcast especially now that i'm not ceo of on it please go to on it.com slash aubrey you'll be able to save 10 percent off of everything and that's going to support my little business which is now entirely supporting my podcast so Thanks so much, everybody. on slash Aubrey. And I love you guys. I'll see you next week.